Uh, so I have a question for you. We're right in the middle of an Advent series, and the question for me this morning, the question for you this morning is, are you ready for Christmas? <laughs> no? Steve, Steve says yes. I don't know. The other Steve, I, we're totally not. <laughs> and every year, so we've been married, we've been married for 40, 44 years, and we've been at Western for 44 years, and we've always had a live Christmas tree, just something that Teresa and I have done. And so I got my Christmas tree. Honestly, we just buy it at Kroger's. <laughs> and so I got it like two weeks ago. And, and every day I walk in my house and the tree speaks to me. And here's what it says. You're not ready. <laughs> You're not ready for Christmas because there's no lights until yesterday. Finally, I made the progress of there are actually lights on the tree. No decorations, <laughs> but lights. Not a single present bought. I mean, we're not ready. Uh, so I, so th I hope that makes you feel better. You're probably ahead of me. <laughs> that should make you feel good this morning. Another question I have for you is, do you have any Christmas traditions? We, we have a few around my house. Uh, and one of the things I brought with you, some of it centers around Christmas Eve. And years ago, so our, our family, we all gathered at our house on Christmas Eve, and we have... Um, sort of like an Advent, it's not, not exactly like an Advent, a little uh, candle set, and like one for Mary, one for Joseph, one for the shepherds, et cetera, et cetera. And we tell the Christmas story, and we read it, and we talk about it. We talk about Mary, talk about what it felt like, about Joseph, et cetera, and, and, as, and we light the candle. Of course, now the grandkids, they really get a kick out of lighting those candles. And then we sing whatever song matches with Mary or Joseph or the wise men or the shepherds. And we use this old songbook, Christmas Carols, and this came from a student, gave it to Teresa and myself years ago. Jennifer Hicklin, I don't know if any of y'all knew Jennifer Hicklin, um, Hartman now. Um, so um, this is from the Pride Avenue Elementary School in Madisonville, Kentucky. <laughs> and it's out of print, but <laughs> we, she gave it to us, and this is the book we use. We've, we've, the pages are torn uh, as we look for the songs about Joseph or whatever. Each one has like a story that tells you a little history of the, of the carol. One thing that's amazing about this is this, was, this is very Christian. Like the songs in here are very Christ-centered, uh, and so we just kind of, we made our own. Uh, using these carols. And that's part of our Christmas tradition on Christmas Eve is to, is to gather around, light those candles, tell the story, and sing these songs. Another thing we do is we know on Christmas morning we're going to have brunch and we're going to have egg casserole. That's just a given. And we're going to have chocolate on biscuits. Anybody? Chocolate on biscuits? Anybody? Yeah. That's my granny's thing that she spoiled her grandkids with. So we'll have chocolate on uh, biscuits. And, you know, it's just a beautiful thing. <laughs> Uh, and that's fun. And then we're doing kind of a new uh, uh, custom here at Bongan Christian of this Advent series. And I've been given, I'm the, the third Sunday. We've done uh, Peace and Hope, or Hope and Peace. And today, I've been given the subject of love. God's love. I just thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, how can anybody talk about Everything about God's love in one message on a Sunday morning. I mean, you probably have a favorite passage about God's love. 
And I, I just brought some with me. They're not on the, the overhead, but uh, see, I'm dating myself. They're not on the slides. <laughs> but like Exodus 34, 6 and 7, and the Lord passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And then there was our Advent reading today, which I really think the day is for. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. He is love, etc. This is one of my favorites. This is from Romans 5. You see, at just the right time, think about that, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrates his love for us in that. And, and I'd like to invite you all to look up a, a passage. It's, if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app, just check this out, Psalm 136. I'm going to look it up myself. Psalm 136. Just a beautiful passage about God at work and God's love. Psalm 136 is kind of a quintessential psalm dedicated to God's love. And I'm going to read a few verses here, starting at the first of Psalm 136, and then I'm going to jump to the end. Verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. Do you, are you picking up this cadence? <laughs> over and over and over, just repeating. God's love, one version says, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And jump down to verse 23. To the one, I, I just love this, to the one who remembered us in our low estate, his love endures forever and freed us from our enemies. Wow. His love endures forever and who gives food to every creature, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, his love endures forever. Don't you think that it's a major truth, remembrance, when we come to this time of Christmas, that God remembers us? That God remembers you and me in our low estate? When I think of a Christmas evidence of these truths, I'm always drawn to the shepherds. <laughs> Back to the shepherds. Uh, in Luke 2, 8 through 12 through 20 and we're going to look at that together and I'm going to read it with you but before I do, do any of y'all watch Gold Rush the Discovery Channel show Gold Rush no. I'm more of a Alaska the Last Frontier kind of guy I'm, um, I'm Teresa and I we, we're pretty sure we're related to the Kilters 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 somehow Alaska Frontier anyway there's a show called Gold Rush 
And I did catch an episode the other day, and I've seen it a few times, and I mean, it's about these different, I think, business-slash-family groups that are mining for gold, and you'll have to tell me all about it. But anyway, I just happened to see an episode, and they, this man bought this huge, huge machine that he had to bring in on a, on a flatbed truck, and it cost thousands and thousands of dollars, and, and, and it was going to run water through it like a sluice, and at the end it's going to catch, you know, basically like this dust or little rocks and stuff. And what's amazing is then... Then, like, you know, all of a sudden, like, the, the music will get real dramatic, and they'll, and they'll reach down, they'll get all excited, and they'll just pick up, like, a rock. <laughs> and to me, it looks like, oh, I could have gone back in my backyard and shoveled <laughs> and dug up a rock like this. But to them, they're so excited about it. It's like they see the beauty in it. They see, like, if this can be refined, if this can be cleaned up, there is gold here. And that's what I want to do with this passage from uh, Luke 2. I want us to look at it together, Luke 2. And let's just stand as we read Luke 2 about the shepherds, 8 through 20. I'm going to read it, but if you just stand in honor of God's word. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. You can be seated. And may God add his blessing to this reading of his word. And let's, let's pray. Father, let us pray that you'd be with us. We know you have been, but we just pray, especially through your word, you'd be with us this morning and help me not to get in the way that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and teach us wonderful things, almost high. In Christ's name I pray, amen. There's a lot of meaty stuff in that passage, but here's, I'm just going to point out three things, and here's the first. Are you ready? The first is that because of God's redeeming love, you no longer have to be afraid. I don't know if you ever, if you read through Scripture and you just see there's kind of a question about when, when the divine invades humankind when the divine invades human space what's the reaction it's not like casual like oh an angel i've been meaning to ask you is god so powerful that he can make a rock that he can't lift you know it's not like that where you're like calm and cool and it's very quiet casual no 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 that's not what happens they all just fall to the ground and they are what greatly afraid in fact, some translations say they were terrified. 
and rightly so. Why would human beings be deathly afraid of the divine? The reason is, the reason our gut reaction, and if your gut reaction in this, I think you may be thinking too highly of yourself. <laughs> the gut reaction is because we know ourselves. We know who we are. We know what's in our hearts. We know what we think. We're like, we should be like Isaiah. I was undone. <laughs> we know how often we feel like frauds. So if the divine suddenly shows up, surely he's there to give us what we're due and what would we be due. Except, except, praise God, in the coming of Jesus. That all changes. In the coming of Jesus, the angel shows up not with a sword because I deserve to die. Excuse me for that. What is happening around here? <laughs> but instead, he shows up with Good news, good news, good news. Because of God's redeeming love, you no longer have to be afraid. Let that soak in for a moment. You no longer have to be afraid. Fears like, am I enough? Will God forgive that again and again and again? And if anyone really knew me, knew my failures, could they love me? Am I worthy? The word, the word, I know the word says I'm his child, but am I? I know me. I know I'm not worthy. And this just haunts us. And I, I'm not by any mean immune. Even after all these years of being a Christian and being in ministry, I'll just tell you, in the spirit of true transparency, just last Monday is kind of is my habit. I went to my office. I just prostrated myself on the floor of my office, just laid out flat before the Lord and just took a few moments and cried. <laughs> just over stuff, gunky stuff that I knew that needed to, need to be changed in my life. And what I do in times like that is I try to just is like get up and saturate myself in the Word of God. That's what it, and here's what it looks like for me, like that thing that just rang my phone that was just actually an alarm. Give me to help me know to stay on time. Uh, like I go to a Bible app and I'm reading through, like, you know, this right now it's, uh, I just read through the Bible in a year, 365 days. I have a Bible app that does that. And so right now it's like numbers and Mark the 13th chapter and Psalm 46 and, and a proverb. And in that way, like, I just feel like even if when I'm talking about the Kohathites and the Mararites and everything, I still feel like it's just good for me to saturate my mind with the word of God and then again at night same thing like I'm just reading the New Testament reading in James right now just to saturate myself just to like put the truth in my mind because we have to overcome those fears and here's the thing Christmas can be a magical uplifting time I love Christmas but if there's any stuff lurking in the underneath of our lives the Christmas season it might distract us but it doesn't solve it does it Jesus Jesus alone Jesus is the answer Jesus is the solution for all that stuff so this story of the shepherds not the sentimental nostalgic version but the real meaty truth of it gives me Stephen Paul Stovall 
in all my mess and all my failure and all my insecurities, in my lowly estate, it reminds me of God's true and genuine love. He loves me. Good, good news. God's love is broken through. And here's the second thing. Because of God's redeeming love, you no longer have to be afraid. And second, our focus of worship is drastically, dramatically, and rightfully changed. Boom! The sky explodes with this multitude of angels so that if you weren't terrified before, you are now. <laughs> and they're all singing glory to God in the highest. You know what they're not singing? They're not singing glory to my job in the highest. <laughs> and I love my wife. She is amazing. And I'm, right now I'm just thankful she's here with me because last year we went through a terrible where she was ill and life and death, and we didn't know if she was going to make it. She's amazing. I love my kids. No matter what you say, they are amazing. <laughs> and grandkids, oh my goodness, <laughs> they are amazing. They are just, but you know what? In spite of that, my job, all these things I love, they make terrible gods. Part of the good news in this announcement is that our worship is being rightly ordered. So that the things we put our hope in, the things that we trust in, the things that are sort of our go-to things, the things that we think about, that we, that we find satisfaction in, but those things that time and time and time again show themselves to actually be bankrupt in the light of God are now exposed in the light of the coming or the advent of Jesus. To where we focus once again on the glory goes to God in the highest and then everything else is put in place are you tracking with me no one else would be able to bear the weight of your hope and affections only god a sure way to add a crushing weight to your marriage or to your job or to your kids or anything else is to lean on them to validate you god in his redeeming love steps in at advent and says my shoulders alone are broad enough to bear all your hopes your true worth, your true needs. Come to me alone. And then here's the last thing. Because of God's redeeming love, you no longer have to be afraid, and our focus of worship is drastically, dramatically, and rightfully changed. And third and finally, God, through his redeeming love, enters our mess. What's happening here is this good news of great joy and glad tidings is being delivered not to the wealthy, not to the religious elite, not to the powerful, not, but it's being delivered to the marginalized, to the oppressed, to the messes, to messes like me. <laughs> Maybe you too. Okay, do you know any shepherds? <laughs> I don't know if you, we don't really know shepherds that well, but here's a disclaimer. No current shepherds are depicted in what I'm about to say, okay? <laughs> so I don't want any emails or anything. But shepherds in those days, do you know there was a, uh, in the Mishnah, it was written that shepherds are incompetent. No one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen in a pit. <laughs> in other words, you walk by a pit, you see a dude in there, and you look in and say, is that a shepherd? Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> and just walk on by because they're not even worthy. They're not even worth saving. Shepherds could not fill judicial offices, they couldn't be admitted to court as witnesses, and worst of all, they were considered unclean. What would that mean? 
couldn't go to the tabernacle, couldn't go to worship, couldn't go to the temple. They were viewed as dirty, incompetent, thieves, unclean. And here's the good news. When, it was, when the good news of Christ was rolled out for all mankind, who did God roll it out to? Shepherds. <laughs> I think that's, you know, there's, there's like, we need to understand in the body of believers, there's the world's economy of things, of looking at things and attaching worth to things and attaching worth to people, and then there's God's economy where he sees everybody is valuable. This is the good news. God's redeeming love has entered my mess, and he considers me through Christ worthy of his love. And this passage, just I want to show you real quick from Hebrews 2. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation, Christ, perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, us. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am and the children God has given me. That's you. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives are held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he, is, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Okay, I know that was a lot of scripture. and I like a lot of scripture. So, what is God's redeeming love up to? Here's what I want to say. A lot of us are a mess. A lot of us are in a mess. And if you're not, you're probably, just, you're probably in denial. <laughs> Because life, this side of heaven, it's just messy. And sometimes we're in messes of our own doing. And sometimes we might be in messes that were thrust upon us. I know Teresa's life and death illness last year was, was a mess that was thrust upon us. And many times, like I would drive to the hospital crying on the way, wondering if she's going to be alive when I got there. It was, it was stressful. But here's what I found, is that you can know that you know that you know that God is always with you in the mess. From time to time, I think God just says, Steve, I'm just going to show you how powerless you are <laughs> so that I can show you how powerful I am. And one more thing, Steve. Sometimes I just feel like I need to pull you away from your idols. I just need to pry your little fingers off your idols so that you'll know that I'm the only one that deserves to be your delight. That's God's redeeming love. It's a redeeming love. It's a refining love. And his love, what? Endures forever. It's an amazing thing. So I want to just invite you in this Christmas season to revel in God's love. I want to ask you to share his love with others. Here's an assignment is to look up John 3.16 when you get home. 
and then look up 1 John 3.16, John 3.16, 1 John 3.16, and just do them to show God's love. Would you pray with me? Father, just thank you so much. Your redeeming love is amazing. I want to thank you for the people that I get to worship with here today. We want to turn our hearts once again to you, to worship you. God, you are the highest. You are above all others. You are worthy of praise. And right now, Father, we just even want to take a moment and be transparent and, and bring our mess to you. And Lord, I want to thank you that right now, Bowling Christian Church has provided a place over in the corner of this room where there's people ready to pray. That if anybody just needs to be prayed over or prayed with about anything that they're dealing with, there's people there to pray with them right now. And Lord, just thank you for your love, and may we be focused upon your love. May we know that you have never and could not forget us, and you have never and could not forsake us. We thank you, because your love endures forever. In Christ's name, amen.